0: Isaiah chapter nine and uh, we shall be reading verses two to seven. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. And every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, We'll do this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. These words of Isaiah were of course fulfilled perfectly and fully in the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the child who was born for us. Jesus is the son who was given to us, given to us by God his Father And with his coming into this world, those who walked in darkness have seen a great light, verse 2. They have seen a great light, for Jesus is himself the light of the world. And with his coming, joy has been multiplied, verse 3. Joy has increased and multiplied because Jesus is the one who comes in fullness of joy, who joyfully all his days served and obeyed his father and who came that we might have his joy within our hearts. And with his coming, liberty and peace prevail in the place of oppression and war, verses 4 and 5. Because, of course, Jesus is the great rescuer The great liberator who sets the captives free. He is the great mediator between God and man who effects reconciliation in himself. The gospel that Isaiah proclaims in these verses to a people who were in anguish, who were in darkness because of their sin, because of their slavery to Satan, the gospel that Isaiah proclaims here in chapter 9 is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not a different gospel from the one that we come across in the New Testament. It is exactly the same gospel, the gospel that is centered on that in many ways is the Lord Jesus Christ. After all, what is the light that dispels the darkness? What is the light that brings you joy and freedom and peace. It's Jesus, the child who was born for us. Jesus, the son who was given to us. Isaiah, though he prophesies roughly 700 years before the birth of Jesus, speaks in these verses so wonderfully and so vividly of our Savior. And in the time that we have together This evening, I want us to focus in particular on verses 6 and 7 of this passage. And I simply want us, hopefully, to see why it is that this child brings such blessing, such joy, such peace, such freedom, such life from the dead. Why is it that this child brings such blessing both to you and indeed to the whole world? Three reasons are given. The first of which is this, the authority of this son. Why does this child bring such blessing? It's because of the authority that he possesses. Isaiah says in verse 6, the opening of verse 6, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. The government shall be upon this child's shoulder here and elsewhere in the Bible the shoulder is a symbol of bearing rule. It's a symbol of exercising authority. It's a symbol of the one who governs, who is in charge, who is in control. We still talk today, don't we, about shouldering responsibility. You still hear that phrase. And that is the basic idea that's being communicated here in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. This son whom God has given to his people, will shoulder the responsibility of exercising rule and authority. And he will shoulder the responsibility of exercising authority and rule over all things, over the whole world, over the cosmos. Notice that it is the government that is placed upon his shoulder. The government, the the singular noun denoting, I think, the absolute and the exclusive authority that this child will exercise over the whole world. He is the one who has the government of all things upon his shoulder. It's not to say, of course, that there aren't le- legitimate other legitimate authorities in the world. Of course, of course there are. But what we learn here is that the authority of these other legitimate authorities to rule and to govern derives from and is rooted in the authority and the rule of this child, this son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who carries on his shoulders all the other governments, all the other authorities all the other rulers and leaders and kings and presidents, both in the church and in the world. All authority comes from the Son upon whose shoulder is the government. Sometimes I carry Luke or Elijah on my shoulders. I am at the moment still just about strong enough to bear their weight and to walk while they sit on my shoulders. I guess in a few years' time that won't be the case. Jesus' shoulders are, if I can put it this way, broad enough and strong enough to bear the whole weight of universal authority. His shoulders are broad enough, they are strong enough to carry and to support and to sustain the government of the whole world. And to do so forever. Forever. And what we need to note this evening is that this absolute rule and authority of King Jesus is a rule that brings liberty and freedom and joy. Back in verse 4, what is it we read? There we read, the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Now here just Isaiah is describing how God's people have been burdened by their enemies. Speaking perhaps in the first instance of Syria, who were threatening to invade Judah. Speaking perhaps also of Babylon, who in due course would would conquer Judah and cart them off into exile. But speaking, I believe, ultimately of the great foe of all of God's people, the devil himself. God's people have been oppressed by these enemy forces, enslaved by them, crushed by them. These evil, tyrannical powers have placed on the shoulders of God's people a burden that is far too heavy for them to bear and to carry. These evil, tyrannical powers have, as it were, sat upon their shoulders and demanded to be carried by them something, of course, that God's people are simply too weak to do. But the Lord Jesus does not do that to us. The Lord Jesus does not crush us with his absolute authority. The Lord Jesus does not burden us with his supreme rule, quite the opposite, in fact. He shoulders the responsibility For ruling over the whole world and on his infinitely broad and strong shoulders he carries us together with all of our burdens. And he liberates us from the load of our sin, from the burden of our guilt, from the heavy weight of our shame that that we just cannot bear on our own. The Lord Jesus, the one upon whose shoulder is the government, says to you, let me carry you and all of your burdens on my shoulders. I am more than able to do this because on my shoulder is placed the government of the whole world. I'm the one that can bear the weight for you. So lean yourself upon me. Let me carry you. this is something that we must take advantage of, as it were, each and every day. We are weak, frail sinners. We, we fall so very easily. And we need to just cast ourselves upon Christ, who has all power and all ability, who was born to rule. Over everything, including you, whose rule is not harsh or heavy or oppressive, but light and liberating and good. And this is because of what he is like, which brings us on to my second point this evening, the name of the Son. We've seen the authority of the son. Now, secondly, we see the name of the son. As Isaiah goes on in verse six, he tells us what this child to be born shall be called. He shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. This is the name, the character of King Jesus. He is in the first place wonderful counselor. He is wonderful in counsel. He is in other words all wise, all knowing, all seeing, all understanding. He knows what is best. He always makes the right decision. He never makes any mistakes. Jesus never has to apologize for getting things wrong. Jesus never has to make a U-turn. We're always getting things wrong. At least I am. Maybe you, you're not, but I am. I'm always getting things wrong. So often having to apologize for making yet another mistake. Regularly wondering what the best course of action to take is. Thankfully the Lord Jesus is not like me. He governs this world. And he governs his people with perfect wisdom. He governs this particular church. With perfect wisdom. He governs your life with perfect wisdom. He is wisely directing all of the various circumstances, all of the twists and turns of your life according to His most wonderful counsel. He is wonderful counselor. He is in the second place, mighty God. Notice Isaiah makes it clear here that the child, the human child to be born is divine, the mighty God. And not only, therefore, is Jesus all wise, he is also all powerful, omnipotent. He knows what's best. And he does what's best. Jesus' wonderful counsel always takes effect. Always. Without fail. His wise plans are always implemented and executed. Because he is our omnipotent king. Sometimes, perhaps often, we get frustrated because... Because we see the right thing to do, but but we're just unable to do it. We just don't have the ability to, to carry it out. Or we get frustrated because we see the right thing to do, or the right thing for someone else to do, but they don't have the ability, for whatever reason, to carry it out. The Lord Jesus never experiences that kind of frustration. He never experiences frustration full stop. He never experiences dismay or disappointment because the thing that he knows which should be done can't be done. No, he never experiences dismay that his will can't be done. Even when we, in our sin and stupidity, go against his altogether wise commands. Jesus never gets flustered. Jesus never panics. Jesus never worries to himself, oh no, maybe now my purposes will be thwarted because they're sinning again. They're going against my wise commands again. They're going against my revealed will. Maybe Maybe my eternal decree and purposes will be thwarted now. Jesus Jesus never thinks that. By his might and power, he always ensures that his most wise will is done. And so great is his might, so wonderful his wisdom, that he even uses our folly, our weakness, and our sin to accomplish his perfect will. He is wonderful counselor. He is mighty God. Thirdly, he is everlasting father. Now Isaiah here, we need to understand, is not using the first title, uh, the the title of the first person of the Trinity uh, for the Messiah. He's he's not confused about his uh, Trinitarian theology. Now Isaiah here is using the word father in the sense of someone who is a a most kind and most um, most loving and most benevolent protector that that's the sense of uh, of father here it, it, it's one who watches over one who cares for one who deeply loves and cherishes his children and 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 in, it's in this sense that Jesus is our Father, He is the one who loves us, who cherishes us, who delights in us as, as His beloved children. And so He exercises His wonderful counsel and His divine might from a heart of love for you, His people. He powerfully puts into effect His most wise counsel for your good. Not for your ill, but for your good. Because he is your everlasting father who, who loves you with an everlasting love. Jesus is always acting in love for you. Always. Every moment of every day. Working all things together. Even the really hard and painful and distressing things working them all together for your good because he is your everlasting father who loves you with a fatherly love that will never end. Speaking as a father, I love my two boys. But not only is my love for them imperfect, often very unwise, often powerless, but my love for them is impermanent. It's impermanent. One day my love for my two boys will come to an end when I die. But Jesus' fatherly love for you, for his children, that will never end. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. And then in the fourth place, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Under his rule, as Isaiah says in verse 5, every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. In other words, war will cease. One day war will come to an end. Because Jesus upon whose shoulder is the government. Jesus, who is wonderful in counsel, divine in might, and everlasting in love, is the one who brings fullness of peace and restoration. He is the one who brings wholeness to a world that's been broken and divided and torn asunder by sin. We are not led by the Lord of war, but by the Prince of peace, This, brothers and sisters, is the name of the Son that was given to you. This is the name of the Son who was born for you. He is Wonderful Counselor. He is Mighty God. He is Everlasting Father. He is Prince of Peace. And because this is what our King is like, we who live under his rule are blessed beyond all measure. The authority of the son, the name of the son, and then thirdly and finally, and somewhat more briefly, the success of the son. There is no better king than this son, the Lord Jesus. And there is no better kingdom, therefore, to belong to than the kingdom of this son. And the good news is that the kingdom of our great king is just going to get bigger and bigger And bigger. That's what Isaiah effectively is saying in verse 7 where he says, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Every other kingdom in this world will decline and fall however powerful And impressive and mighty it gets, every kingdom in this world will decline and fall. But the kingdom of Jesus Christ is just going to keep on growing. It's just going to keep on increasing. It's just going to keep on expanding until one day it covers the face of the whole earth and all will bow down and confess that Jesus is Lord. This is where history is heading History has an end, it has a telos, it has a final chapter. And the final chapter is Jesus ruling over all things together with his people over a renewed cosmos. This is where history is heading and this is your hope. You have a great hope as a Christian believer. In the meantime... In the here and the now, Christ's kingdom continues to grow until it reaches its final destination. Yes, it suffers setbacks, sometimes very serious setbacks. Its growth is not a sort of perfectly straight line upwards. There's fluctuation. There are setbacks. Its growth is not unchecked or unopposed, far from it. He is the prince of peace, but he has still an enemy. And Satan and his kingdom of darkness wage war continually until the end. And sadly, in some areas of the world, perhaps such as our own, the church is at this time in relative decline. Nevertheless, when you take into account the whole expanse of the world, and when you take into account the whole sweep of history, Christ's kingdom is advancing forwards. It is. It tends to do so in very unseen, imperceptible, quiet ways. But every day, as the word of Christ is preached, as Christ converts sinners, as Christ's people grow and mature in their faith, as you seek to live out your life faithfully before the Lord Jesus, every day his kingdom is making inroads into Satan's dark domain. Driving back that empire of evil. So let me finish tonight by saying to you brothers and sisters, be encouraged. Be very encouraged because Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 is happening. And Isaiah chapter 9 verse 7 will happen. Jesus is on the throne of David. Jesus is the Messiah. And in fulfillment of God's eternal covenant promise, he will bless all the nations. And he will fully establish justice and righteousness in all the earth. Jesus will succeed. Jesus has won. And Jesus will win. Be sure of it. Because this child who was born for us also lived for us. And he also died for us. And he also rose from the dead for us. And he also ascended for us. And he now also reigns for us. And he will also one day return and come back for us. Jesus will succeed final victory is absolutely assured the zeal of the lord of hosts will do this amen